Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to McChesney Unchained, a new show on the BSN Denver podcast network. Before we jump into it, we want you to know that this is a little different than our other shows. Matt McChesney is going to give you an uncensored take on what's going on in the football world, and if you have kids around, you may want to listen to this at another time. McChesney's opinions do not represent those of BSN Denver, but they are real, and they come from a CU legend who spent six years battling in the NFL trenches. Now, sit back and enjoy the show. Welcome to episode 57 of McChesney Unchained on the DNVR Denver Podcast Network. Check it out at thednvr.com. Uh, anything and everything we do from a from a coverage standpoint here in uh, the Mile High City is done at thednvr.com. It's an incredible site. Check it out. It's revolutionizing the way sports are covered here in the Mile High City. Tip the cap to my man, Brandon Spano. Speaking of Spano, Little Spano, all right? Little Spano starts tonight in the dungeon at 6-0. I'm damn excited. A uh, young man came in here the other day and had his first consultation about football. He didn't break eye contact the whole time. I'm pretty excited about it, man. He's one intense little dude. So Little Spano starts tonight. That's pretty damn cool. Like I said, this is episode 57 of McChesney Unchained on the DNVR Denver Podcast Network. Uh, I want everybody to remember that the top six is going to be out this week, all right, on Thursday. My girl Allie's coming down Thursday to break down Minnesota-Denver, do the top six plays. It's going to be pretty fun for half of it and then pretty shitty for the other half, just like the game was the other day. Remember to go to Shop Honda slash vote uh, and vote for the Colorado High School Coach of the Year or nominate somebody out there that's doing a great job and not really getting a lot of that shine. All right, so we've got a big show for you here today, and it's going to be a little different than what we've done in the past. Uh, last week, I went up to Boulder and I did the Inside the Zone pod or Inside Zone podcast with Mark Johnson and Mel Tucker, uh, the head coach of uh, the Golden Colorado Buffaloes, and it was pretty kick-ass. And it was about forty-five minutes, and we're actually going to put that. Uh, on the tail end of episode 57 of McChesney Unchained today. So you get to hear the entire episode with Mark Johnson, myself, and the great head coach up there, Mr. Mel Tucker, for the uh, Colorado Buffalo. So that's going to be at the end of this. So uh, okay, so definitely hold on because this is going to be one kick-ass show. That was really fun, and uh, it, it was very informative. And if you're a Buff fan, you definitely want to listen. All right, so moving forward here on episode 57 as we roll. 
Uh, like I said, the Buffs host the Huskies uh, at 8 p.m. Saturday night. Uh, and like I said, it's on the, the, the Inside the Zone podcast. It's at the end of the show. And we talk a lot about Washington then. Uh, we've got another big commit coming Friday uh, from the dungeon here. Uh, so keep your, your ear to the ground on that one. And then the Mel Tucker effect. And this is what I mean by that. Um, guys want to play for Coach Tucker, man. And you can tell. Dudes want to commit there. Guys want to go there. They just had another cat drop Purdue and uh, a four-star corner and go and commit to CU, another 2020 kid. So people are switching commitments. Uh, you know, we're getting a lot of big four, five-star recruits on campus, guys that want to go there and play for a guy like Coach Tucker. They see what he's doing in Boulder, and it's awesome, and I'm so damn excited about it. So definitely hold on to the end of the show because – it's going to be pretty kick-ass, all right? Go to 10thinuni.com. Remember that our friends at 10thinuni.com bring you all of our Buffalo talk each and every week here. I'm McChesney Unchained. 10thinuni.com and use the promo code BUFFCLUB and you'll get a sick deal on all the hats and shirts and everything else that 10th and Uni does, keeping you clean there in Buffalo gear. All right, so uh, a couple of things NFL-related before we get into the rest of this show and, you know, obviously talk about the Buffs and the Huskies and everyone else. Okay, number one, Colin Kaepernick's workout. Um, there was some language in the contract and the waiver he was supposed to sign he didn't like, so he decided to change the forum and go to a high school an hour away after you know he had planned this and the NFL planned it on a Saturday and so on and so forth. And that's his right. He can do whatever he wants. I, it's just never good enough for Cap, man. And I, I understand that he may not have liked some of the language and whatnot, but you've been trying to find this opportunity forever. You've been waiting for the NFL to set it up so you could get an opportunity to show who you are. I don't see anybody else in the NFL getting just, you know, private workouts at the Falcons facility and everybody has the, the opportunity to come there and watch them work out. Most guys have to fly somewhere on Tuesdays and do it in a very ambiguous way. You're getting blown up and everybody's behind you on this and you decide not to do it. It seems to me like you don't want to play football, Cap. You just want to be a social justice warrior. And that's cool, man. I'm with that. I think that you should be able to use the platform to spread your message. But no one wants the circus. And you're going to be a backup quarterback that brings the circus to town. And no one wants that shit anymore, dude. So I'm telling you, you, you need to go prove people you just want to play football. And then maybe all this, you know, all the stuff that comes along with you as a football player that the owners and the coaches don't want to put up with, especially from a backup, maybe somebody will put up with it down the road. But right now, I, everyone knows you can throw the shit out of the ball. Everyone knows you're an athlete, but, you know, your press conference sounds angry. You don't trust the NFL. You're just, it's starting to sound repetitive and nobody wants to hear it. So you had an opportunity as an ex-player. They set up an opportunity just for you and you didn't do it. And that's, I don't know, man. At that point, it's time to shut the fuck up, in my opinion. So, I don't know. I, I never had the NFL going out of their way to set me up with a you know a workout at a facility that's private on a Saturday in front of all the scouts and coaches. It was always like fly here and work out if they want you to. So they bent over backwards to try and help you, and it wasn't good enough again. And I understand you didn't like some of the bylaw you know language and shit, but at some point you just have to go be a football player, and it seems like you don't want to do that. So shut the fuck up. Moving on <clears throat> to a tongue of Iloa. 
Um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because I'm angry about it. I I personally think Tua shouldn't have been playing, but he was. Um, I think that this is a travesty. Again, another kid getting hurt that's going to cost him millions upon millions of dollars because he did. Uh, and, you know, it sucks that this happened because he's a great player and he's a great young man, but it's just another circumstance of the hypocrisy of, of the college football. They make so much money off these kids. And, you know, it's what is he supposed to do now? I mean, he's going to have a bad hip the rest of his life. It's going to plague him. He has to play in order to show he's tough. If you're hurt in college, you're definitely going to hurt in the pros. So it's definitely going to hurt his draft stock. He's not getting paid at Alabama. I just, this has got to stop, man. The hypocrisy has to stop. These kids deserve to be paid. And I'm tired of everyone trying to restrict earning potential of, of college athletes. All right? Like, my wife last night even brought it up. Like, well, everybody, you can't make too much money in college. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Are we in socialist Russia? Is this, you know, Kazakhstan or some shit? No. If you're better, then you make more. That's the way this works. That's the way it works everywhere. So the only place it doesn't work like that is in college fucking athletics. So Tua should have been paying, should have been making big bucks. And, you know, that. He should have been able to fall back and say, I'm not playing this week because I got money in the bank and I don't need to sacrifice my future against Mississippi State. You're up 35-7. to Why is he in the game anyway? The guy can't move. He's already had ankle surgery and he's playing at like three weeks after having ankle surgery. I just think it's irresponsible. And this kid's future was on the line. And, of course, Alabama has to impress the voters because of the stupid fucking playoff system we have where it's eye test-based and you have to impress 13 voters rather than just winning and getting in like every other playoff system on earth. Just it, it, all the you know, common knowledge, hypocrisy shit from college football has got to stop, man. It's driving me up a fucking wall. So I hope Tua Tungo-Lailoa gets healthy and I hope he gets healthy fast. And I hope he leaves Alabama. And if I'm a great player, if I'm a first-round draft pick, if I'm a guy who's who you know is is going to be, if I'm Chase Young, there's absolutely zero chance I'm going back to play college football. I'm sorry. And if you think that's selfish, you're stupid. You're dumb, and you've never been in a position where your body is your your bread maker. And these guys, their body is the only thing that's going to make them money in their lives. Uh, this kind of bread. So, you know, you got to take care of it. And right now the NCAA is saying that they don't give a shit about you personally and they're not going to take care of the guys. And until they change that, if I'm a good player, I'm not playing. So hopefully one day there's a college football players union and they strike and they get what's right and they do it like as fast as humanly possible. So I don't know which player needs to lead that, but it needs to happen. Okay. NFL games of of, uh, you know, games that were worth a shit talking about. Number one, Cowboys go to Detroit, get a huge win, 35-27. Um, Dak Prescott goes off, four touchdowns. He's, you know, his hip warm-up at the beginning of the game is pretty funny, but at least he's getting his hips right. I, I think that they really need to resign this kid. He's been doing a great job for him. You know, they're not going to find somebody better than Dak out there just kind of wandering around. So you need to get this done. The Cowboys are, are probably going to win the East, and we'll see if they can find a way to win a playoff game or not. But Detroit's done. Dallas goes up there and gets a big win, but it shouldn't be that close. We'd like to see. I'd like to see if Dallas is, is really a team that needs to be reckoned with or just a team that's there. 
Uh, next. <clears throat> the Saints go down to New Orleans in super clean, all whites, and put it on Tampa. Uh, Michael Thomas should honestly be considered for MVP at this point. That guy is absolutely balling. Tampa season is over. We'll see what they do with Jameis Winston moving forward. Drew Brees has got New Orleans rolling. They could be the best team in the NFL. Keep your eye on the Saints. If they get home field, it's going to be hard not to pick the Saints to go to the Super Bowl. All right. Baltimore hosts the Texans, and Lamar Jackson goes absolutely off again. They beat Houston 41-7. to uh, You know, Watson, the, the Texans quarterback, looked out of place and out of sorts. And Baltimore was just feasting. And once they got a lead, they just hammered the fucking rock. Mark Ingram is a perfect fit there. They went and surrounded Lamar Jackson with talent. And they know what they have with Jackson. They've got a run first, you know, play action stud that can get out and make life a living hell in the open field. And that's what he's doing to people. And there's nothing worse. There's nothing on this earth worse than trying to track down a mobile quarterback. And Lamar Jackson is the mobilest of the mobile. And this guy is special, and he's changing the NFL, and I absolutely fucking love it. Absolutely love it. All right, next. Um, two games, okay? The Patriots get a huge win against Philly, 17-10. to Tom Brady comes out, and he's really discouraged about the lack of offensive production. This is what happens when you don't re-sign Trent Brown, you let him go to New England, Gronkowski leaves, you know, it's... Eventually, it's going to catch up with you. They can't run the ball like they could last year because Trent Brown's gone. Isaiah Wynn, the first-rounder from Georgia, hasn't panned out. They just don't have the same offensive umph they've had in the past. They can't run the ball in the same kind of vigor. Uh, Philadelphia needed to win that game. Nelson Aguilar, I mean, Carson Wentz couldn't hand it to you any any better than that in the back of the end zone to tie it up. you got to make that catch. I understand that it's difficult, but that's why you get paid big bucks, Nelson. Uh, because you're supposed to make difficult catches. But, you know, that, that is what it is. 17 to 10, New England improves to 9 and 1, and they're pissed off about it. That tells you about the mindset in, uh, in Foxborough. And then the Rams host the Bears on Sunday Night Football, and Mitchell Trubisky was just awful. He got benched in the fourth quarter before the last series because of a quote unquote hit pointer. Aaron Donald was absolutely destroying the Bears' front. I mean, it wasn't even a fucking. They had no chance up front in Chicago did. Uh, and it, it was it was a, a throttling. Now, the, the Rams have a lot to figure out, too. Jared Goff's not the same guy. So we'll see what happens there. But it seems like the NFC West is going to come down to Seattle and San Francisco. Russell Wilson may be the MVP up to this point. Okay, now as we move forward here, before we bring you the end of this show, like I said, we're going to have the Inside the Zone podcast with uh, Mark Johnson and Mel Tucker, the head coach for the Golden Colorado Buffaloes, at the end of the show, and myself, of course, uh, will be on there as well. So keep your uh, your ear to the to the ground on that. It's going to be a pretty kick-ass way to end the show. All right, before we get into that, uh, we need to talk about Minnesota Endeavor. Okay, this was heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. I mean, I, I picked the Broncos to go to Minnesota and get a huge upset. I thought they would during the fucking game like an idiot. I posted a, a screenshot clip of last week's, you know, last week's podcast with Steve Atwater and Andrew Mason on it. And we're talking about how they're going to go up there and win, blah, blah, blah. And then they go and blow a 20-point lead at halftime. And it, 
The effort was bad in the second half. The play calling was atrocious, both offensively and defensively. The play action shots down the field with just no one around. Guys just getting ran by on defense. It's unacceptable. I mean, this is four times this year where this vaunted defense, the Vic Fangio-led defense, is supposed to be you know, lockdown. This is where Von Miller eats. This is what they're meant to do. They're supposed to go out there and shut people down and stop people and all that bullshit. And what happened? They lost again. They got beat again. With a lead in the fourth quarter, they gave it up again. All right? With that much of a lead at halftime. So Minnesota scored on damn near all their possessions in the second half. But look, the two reverses to Noah Fant in this game made me want to throw up. The second one, out of 13 personnel where you have three tight ends on the field and one of them's in a fullback position because Janovich was hurt and he's in a near formation, a king formation towards the tight end and Fant motions and then he drop steps and does this huge circle back like he runs a 4-2. I mean, what the fuck are we doing? The Broncos are running tight end reverse twice against the Vikings? It didn't work the first time when you did it flat and Reisner, you know, with all of his might, couldn't get to the defensive end who knew it was coming. He just squeezed his key and wrong-armed it, and the tight end fell right into him. I mean, what do you want Dalton to do? And then you do it again out of a worse formation with a deeper drop on the reverse, and he gets caught seven yards behind the goddamn, back, behind the goddamn line of scrimmage. We're definitely talking about those two plays on the top six, by the way. Remember to go to shop Honda slash vote and vote for the Colorado High School Coach of the Year or nominate somebody out there that you think is doing a great job and support Colorado High School football. The Broncos blew a huge opportunity, all right? They fall to 3-7. and seven. The season's officially over. Can they go to Buffalo and win? Sure. I mean, I don't really give a shit if they win or lose now. I think Brandon Allen showed a lot of moxie. You know, he took them right down the field to end the game, and I know that it was a hard throw, but... The judge machine throws hard, too, and the last throw of the game, it hit Fant in the hand as it went through his hands and hit him in the in the face mask. you got to make that catch to, win, to tie it up or win it to win it. I mean, Brandon Allen on fourth down runs and gets a first down, and they, they, they get tackled in bounds, and he stands up at 28 seconds, and they snap the ball at 11 seconds or 10 seconds. They wasted so much time. So a lot of the same things I saw under Vance Joseph, I'm saying under Vic Fangio. Why isn't Fangio getting the same kind of lip and same kind of service with fire him? I don't think Vic's the right guy, man. I'm sorry. I, I know he's a good defensive coordinator, but this it this team needs a youthful spark of exuberance and like an, a push forward in the right direction. They don't need a, no offense, but they don't need a, a 65-year-old defensive coordinator that's never been a head coach that has zero creativity in the second half and can't walk up to his offensive coordinator because he's never been on the field before. He's always been in the booth and tell him to just run the damn football and control the clock. I mean, I just, it's only a matter of time for Vic's not the guy. And I'm saying they're not, if they don't win in Buffalo, they're three and eight. At what point do people start looking at the situation for it being what it is? Do we really want to draft a young quarterback or have Drew Locke and uh, Allen's future progression and development in the hands of a almost 70-year-old defensive coordinator that's never been a head coach before? And I understand that the quarterback coach and offensive coordinator, Scangrello, is supposed to be the guy to develop him, but your head coach is the one that's supposed to be the one pushing all this 
moxie and development and all that shit. Right now, we keep admitting that we're defensive-based. I want an offensive-minded head coach that's going to expand the way things are done and 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 develop the quarterbacks on the roster, not just have them fit into the West Coast adage and can they fit the scheme. Fuck that. I want somebody that's going to break out of the scheme and be a gunslinging some bitch and take the job and run with it for 10 years. That's what we're looking for. But you're never going to find that guy with with this kind of system ever. You're not even if they are that guy, you're never going to know. I had Billy Turner in here this morning. Billy signed with Green Bay this this offseason for close to 30 million. Denver let him walk. I think he would have looked real real good at right tackle considering Jawan James got all of his money and played 20 plays. He's also a great guard, but that's neither here nor there. Billy and I were talking about, first of all, he's in here on a Tuesday morning, and he's got to go back and play this weekend. So one committed son bitch, and you're working his ass off, which I tip of the cap to you, 7-7. But he's talking about how, you know, it, people up in Green Bay even, they, they had to learn a new system for the first time in close to 10 years, and it took some some buying in, but once everybody did, it's been super positive and everyone's bought into the new terminology and the new offensive system and all the new RPO stuff and all this revolutionary offensive football. And we're getting here in Denver, we're getting double fucking tight end reverses. We've seen that play three times this year. I think it's accumulated a whole 14 yards in the negative direction. So I can't deal with it anymore. So the Broncos blew a huge lead with Minnesota. I thought they'd win that game. They didn't. I was very, very upset about it. I can only imagine how the guys feel. I know they're tired of it. But at the same time, if you want to, if you want things to change, you got to go change it. So there's a chance for this team to go out and finish nine and seven. Still, you still have an opportunity to go win some games. So go to Buffalo, win some football games. Josh Allen is not the best against pressure. It's not like Buffalo's unbeatable, but Denver's had some struggles going to Buffalo. So I guess we'll see. Uh, we'll definitely be talking about all that next week on episode 58 of McChesney Unchained. We will also have an all-time NFL team next week. We'll be talking about that uh, as it's 100 years of the National Football League. So right now we're going <clears> to <throat> cut this off here on episode 57 of McChesney Unchained on the DNVR.com. And we're going to add in uh, the Inside Zone podcast with Mark Johnson and the great Head coach for your Colorado Buffaloes, Mr. Mel Tucker. I did that with them last week leading up to Colorado, Washington. So give that a listen here for the rest of this show. Thanks for listening, folks. Episode 57 is a wrap, and here comes the Inside Zone. Hi again. Welcome into the Inside Zone with head coach Mel Tucker. It's a weekly podcast here at the University of Colorado. My voice of the bus, Mark Johnson, along with uh, the head coach of the Buffaloes. And, you know, it's not often we get an in-studio guest for the podcast, but uh, we are so honored here today. Yeah, Matt McChesney, man, in the in the studio, he's uh he's got a, a strong presence, man. <laughs> you know, he comes in, he takes up a lot of space in here. Yes, he does. Try not yeah. to breathe too hard yeah. on the mic right now. <laughs> <laughs> the, you know, you trap me in the elevator, and all the, the oxygen's gonna go. Quick. Well, it's good to have the, the former Buffalo here. Uh, played from two thousand. You, you were here when I got here in two thousand four, yes, so sir. it's been been that long. That's the uh, yeah. that that old four team. Overcame a lot of adversity. That was that was a tough group, man. Yeah, you, remember you, the uh, the Hang Tough Award. I remember they used. To, I don't know if they still give that award or not at the banquet. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they still do. Yep. So uh, I remember Coach Barnett gave it to the entire senior class. There was right. like nine of us. Yeah. So we came in with thirty-two deep in two thousand. Craig Oaks and Marquis or Mark Marcus Houston. Be careful Houston. now. Be careful Houston. now. Yeah. Old school. 
and uh, and like I think ten or eleven of us left yeah. in 04. So that that 04 team, you guys won the Big Twelve North. Won the North. Uh, the the, t- the title game didn't go our way. The title game did not go our way. That was yeah. one of the best Oklahoma teams in history. Although they got dealt with too, though against yeah. SC in the in the national title game, I, they got their their butt kicked in that game. So yep. you know that that team was four and four, and we had we had lost. Uh, four or five and we had you know a three-game winning streak and a two-game losing streak and beat Iowa State and then lost two games again and everybody was counting us out and we just kind of made a decision in the room as as a group to to not listen and just come together and right. it, it worked and and Clatt rallied the offense and they had that big play to Monte on senior day and then going Kansas to, State going Kansas yeah. State and then going to Lincoln and winning was pretty pretty awesome obviously yeah. beating yeah. Nebraska is always big which high five that was awesome <laughs> by the way yeah I'd rather uh, be dead than red I'll tell you that was a great day and uh and and then you know the the Big 12 title game was a learning experience because we ended up going to a bowl game and we were down at the half to UTEP and yeah. we could easily fold it and we ended, we found a way to win the game and send everybody off the right way so uh, you know, there's a lot of things actually that I see happening now that I used to feel when I was here with Gary and, and that group. Just guys play real hard. That there's no lack of effort on the field. And it seems that the juniors on your football team, when, when I was a freshman here in 2000, in 2000, yeah, we were 3-8. and eight. Mm. And we lost a bunch of games. By, we got beat bad maybe twice. Yeah. And the rest of our losses were – end of the game we, we started the year with a close loss to CSC we started and then Washington beat us by three SC beat us by three on the road and that same group came back the next year essentially we didn't lose a lot of guys yeah and I'm watching this year's group with, with Lamin and Mustafa and you know yeah. we'll see what two does if, right. if he goes to the league he goes right. if he doesn't he doesn't yeah that core coming back, and then you sprinkle in some youth that you got early enrolling, and man, I'm telling you, it's the adversity you're going through right now. Reminds me a lot of that time. I think a lot of good comes from it. To be completely yeah. honest with you, you know, it, it nothing good's going to come from anything easy, in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree with you, man. We got a lot of got a, a lot of young players that are getting a lot of playing time that they're they're going through it right now, and uh, it's it's definitely going to build character. Um, Matt, you are one of the most passionate, you know, guys that I've ever been around in terms of not just CU, but just life and, you know, working with young men and all those all those types of things. Um, I wanted to know, like, your relationship with CU. Like, when did it start? Like, how did you end up here? Like, did you always want to be here? And, you know, who recruited you? And then how did it all unfold for you? Uh, so I fell in love with CU when I was 10, and we moved from Santa Cruz to a 70 acre plot that my my you know my mother still lives on just down the road here just down the road triple creek ranch off 36 Mm -hmm. and we moved from the beach essentially we lived on the boardwalk uh down in santa cruz to 70 acres and boy was it a wake-up call but i remember we you know we didn't have a we didn't have a tv when i was a kid and everything was into the business. So we built the barns before we built our house. So we lived mm. in, a, in a trailer. And that's just the way it was. You know, hard work up at 6 in the morning. You're going to work before you go to school. So it taught me how to get up early. And I'm up at 4 a.m. religiously yeah. now. I guess full circle here is I remember when I was 10 years old, I was at my, my uh, cousin's house. 
in Lincoln, Nebraska. Okay, and my entire family, my grandfather, my grandma, my aunts and uncles, all of them are communist Nebraska people. <laughs> and are there any other kind? No, there's not. <laughs> and and we we moved to Boulder, and I fell in love with CU. I, I remember sneaking into the stadium when I was a kid through the gate and getting chased by security, and they never used to be able to catch me. My me and my buddy Lance. And so I'm 10 years old, and I watched them win in Lincoln, and EB go off. And then it just, the love affair started. And then I grew up at a time where we lost to them by literally the skin of our teeth for years. And in 99, or in two, yeah, 99, when Jeremy Aldridge missed right, uh, I was in the stadium as a recruit. And Mm. it it broke my heart that day, and I felt like I was on the team. And I guess... When I was in 1997, I was a, a sophomore at Nywan High School up the street, right. and we had never been any good, and they had never put anybody out D1. And uh, I went to a football camp here, and Coach Neuheisel, it was his last season before he left for Washington, and he had Alfred Williams as guest coach. And Big Al was my favorite player ever. Mm-hmm. And he played for the he was playing for the Broncos at the time, and. <laughs> Everything in my life has been people telling me what I can't do, and then I'll see if I can go do it. Sure. So I remember the first day of the camp, New Heisel was like, okay, we got offensive line against defensive line tug of war. So he's, I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll volunteer. I stood up first, and he goes, no, we want a real D-lineman. And I was like, okay. Wow. New Heisel said that? Yeah, New Heisel said that. And I'm a sophomore. I'm just a big, gangly, white kid from Niowa. You know, nobody knows who I am. And I'm just like, okay. So I remember that, and I go back to the dorm and go to sleep. And I'm actually dorming with this kid named N.J. Flom, who went to North Glen, who ended up being another big recruit, same class as me, and went to Nebraska. And... I remember sitting in the room that night, and I, I told him, I was like, I am going to destroy people tomorrow. It is on. <laughs> and they had, this, they had this huge recruit in from California to go to camp. From, and he's a 6'9 kid, and they were all over him, following him around, and you know, recruiting the hell out of him, as they should have. Right. And Al, the next day, was running pass rush. And it was on the old-school turf. And that old-school turf, you can move on that stuff. Oh, yeah. The right oh, shoes. Yeah. So... I'm in a five technique, and I come off the ball pretty hard and outside in him and run him over. And Big Al just stands up and goes, man, that boy's got the best moves in camp. <laughs> and I remember it to a day because he's my favorite player ever. And wow. that afternoon, Neuheisel walked up to me and said, where do you go to high school again? <laughs> I, said, I said, I go right down the street to Niwak, coach. And then uh, that same year, they played Baylor at home at night. And it was a close game, but we wore the gold with the black helmets. Right. And I remember he, he offered me as a sophomore with my parents in the office. Yeah. And, you know, three weeks ago or two weeks ago, I'm up here with Dudley and his parents. When you offered him in the office, it, it just goes full circle, man. It's, yeah. I got a kick-ass job, and I love my university. And I just I find a lot of things that, that happen in life happen for a reason, so. If I can take that and give that back to my guys that I work with on a daily basis, then I'm doing a good job. You, you look at, at the time that you spent here and, you know, went through adversity, went through all sorts of, of ups and downs, right? Oh, yeah. 
And uh, (laughs) well, I I wasn't going to say that, but uh, all right, had had some self-inflicted wounds. Let's say that. Terrible. Yeah. (laughs) And and by by the way, at some point, you've got to tell the story about the was it the air conditioning unit that fell on top? We've got to hear that. Well, is the air conditioner or the RIAA? Remember that one? Yeah, I do. Who gets? I got sued for downloading music when I was here. Remember that? (laughs) One of 256 people in the country. (laughs) Boy, that was fun to explain. You you know what? The statute of limitations. Napster. That's right. I'm 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 an internet pirate, baby. Right. Certified FBI. The uh, the statute of limitations is over on all of that, from what we understand. We hope. Yeah. But I'm wondering though, the the time you spent here, but the time you left here in 2004 when I got here, you were a team captain uh, on this team. That's that's a hell of a story for you to kind of grow up and, and leave here the way you did? Well, C- Coach Barnett used to say that, you know, some of the time we're not really recruiting them, we're reforming them, hmm. and that was what he did with me. Until Coach Wilson walked up to me when I was medical redshirted, I <laughs> I had broke my leg because an air conditioner <laughs> fell on me in a meeting, okay? <laughs> All right, so we'll tell the story. I'm sitting in the meeting downstairs. Have you heard this, Mel? Uh, oh, this I've is a heard good one. bits and pieces, okay. but <laughs> this is, I'm bits about to get pieces. the real deal right so now. So I'm sitting in the meeting room. And they used to have big sliding uh, dividers in the meeting room in the Dow Ward. And the doors are ten times heavier than the walls. Okay? <laughs> so it's late at night. We're in, it, we just got done with the two-a-day. I'm sitting there watching tape underneath the air conditioner because, of course, my fat ass is under the air conditioner. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> We're all big men here. Just we like know. this one right here. Yeah. <laughs> so Coach Coach Wilson walks in and starts, you know, you know, today was awful. I can, I can find five Sally's to do better than y'all. And so I'm sitting there like, okay, here we go, here we go. And Lee Goldstein, our GA, walks in and hands off paperwork. And he says thanks, and he walks out, and the door slams. And all of a sudden, you just hear pop, 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 pop. And er- Marcus Harris, God bless him, just takes off. <laughs> and I don't know, the instincts of this guy, he just pew, gone. And I went like this. <laughs> looked up. And looked straight up. And this air conditioning vent just falls out of the ceiling on me. With every everything inside of it as well, like all the asbestos and... <laughs> The nastiness in the air vent, like the mouse crap and everything you can imagine. It dislocates my shoulder and just destroys me. And I stand up and I'm like, okay, here it comes. And everybody in the room's like, oh my God, what you've you got the worst luck on earth. <laughs> and so I didn't, they had just recruited a kid named Gabe Ninus. Yeah. And he had transferred in, he's a good player. And Gabe's my boy, and we were fighting at 7 Technique for a job. So I didn't want to lose my job. So I took a week off and shot my shoulder up. (laughs) And then I went back to practice, and it didn't go too well because I couldn't feel my arm when I was trying to place the the 7 Technique and tight end off, and my foot turned the wrong way, and I medicaled because I broke my leg that year. But if I that adversity that happened, even though the, the bad stuff happened and the bad luck, I look at it like this. There, there's a lot of negative things that have happened. You know, my, my career ended in a very negative way. Sure. In the NFL, you're it, talking it about, yeah. It sucked. It yeah. was awful. I had to deal with a lot of injuries in that regard as well. And I lost, like, I lost my brother. He drowned three days before my third training camp. Hmm. So, you know, it was going to training camp. I was not playing football, sure. if that makes sense. It was different for me. So. Mm-hmm. I always look at this game as an opportunity to 
let the, the, the little bit of the craziness and the monster out because it's acceptable in this arena. <laughs> and that's what that's what you need a little bit. You know, obviously, you've done a great job. You have a great reputation of working with young men. Yeah. How'd, that, how'd that all start for you? <laughs> you know, honestly, uh, with a no, the, the way most things start, mm-hmm. I uh, – okay. So, it, <clears throat> I had just ended my career. I had to retire. And, and you played six years in the NFL. I, play, I played five and a half. Okay. And it wasn't really playing. It was a lot. I was on IR twice. I had three left ankle reconstructions in my time. Every time I got healthy, something else happened. I, I got in, I got activated with the Dolphins, and ten plays in on fourth and one, I got rolled up on and tore every ligament in my Dude, knee. Dude, what did you do in life to deserve it's, all well, that? Well, huh? it's it's not so much deserve as how you deal with it. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Sure. And I could it could have broke me, but I just kept pushing till Eric McCarty told me I was going to be on a wheelchair, and now I have a five level fusion in my back because of it. So. It's also, I didn't really take care of myself the same way I should have either. I I was always pushing through something, but that's what football is at the same time. It goes full circle and to answer your question, how do we start? This this is how. After the situation happened with with Bannon, and, you know, I hope that everything's going on with him right now. I hope it works out for him. I I hope he gets the, the help he needs and... You know, we had one bad day, but we had a lot of good days. He's a great friend. I love mm-hmm. him, and I hope he gets the help he needs. We, we had a bad day on a golf course, and I, I don't drink, and I wasn't partying that day, and it was just a random accident, and it ruined my football career. It ended it. Right. And I didn't sue him. I didn't blow him up. I didn't call the cops. We just moved on with our lives because he's my friend. It's an accident. <clears throat> so I, went, I decided to go back to school. Came back up and got my degree. I had to take sign language. That was weird. Wow. Boy, I'll tell you. <laughs> I had to go back in and take a sign, one sign language class to get my degree. <laughs> really weird. <laughs> so, well, I'm glad the, you got who's it. Who's the 6'5", 300-pound tattoo guy in the corner? <laughs> <laughs> He's doing sign yeah. language right now. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad we're on the radio, huh? So, so I get my degree, and, and it was right when Coach Embry got the job. So I call coach, and I remember walking into the Dow Ward, and I got suit and suited up and zooted up and ready to go. Come in, sit down, give him my resume, and he's like, you really bring me a resume? Well, like, I know who you are. Right. I'm like, still, this is a job interview. I want to be professional. And asked him for an opportunity, and uh, he said no. He said no. Okay. So then I went to Lauren Landau, who's now the strength coach with the Broncos, and I remember this like it was yesterday, and this is written on my wall in my office and on my mirror in my house. I intentionally write every hotel I stay in. I write it on the mirror. <laughs> I said, you know, I was, I had this idea, right? Of there's kids in Colorado that are underdeveloped and undervalued because they don't have anybody. No one knows they're here. What if we have a bridge? What if we do what I'm doing? Mm-hmm. You have the facility. Let me be your your positional coach with O line D line because I play both ways. I know what I'm talking about. Let me prove it to you. And he looked at me in the face in his office and said, "You know, in this business, you eat what you kill, and I don't think you can hunt." And I was wow. like, "I said, okay, Lauren, and you just got a competitor for the rest of your life. Right. <laughs> and now my twelve thousand square foot facility is three blocks from his. <laughs> so, <laughs> so." When I when when bad things happen, okay, you can either look at it as wow, life sucks and 
I, it, I'm being picked on or I always say to my guys, I'm like, okay, so how many of you guys got, uh, got, got effed by a coach? Oh, oh yeah, I bet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What'd you do? There's always, yeah, I bet. I Amen. bet. So it's all about how you handle situations. Half of the time, in my opinion, you're being tested on how you're going to handle it as a man. Mm-hmm. And with every negative that's happened in my life, if I handle it correctly, it turns out in a positive way every time. I'm going to set you up here because I know how you're going to answer it. The kids in Colorado have got a bad rap nationally that we don't have a lot of talent in this state. That's right. To which you would say? Um, I would say that if you want to be taken seriously, you need to be serious. Okay? We'll use Max Borgie. Okay? And, and Max is a great player. And At Washington State. Washington State. He's committed to see you and didn't end up coming here. Best of luck to him. Good player. And we'll just use him as an example, okay? And we sit down and talk, and we're talking about scheme, okay? And terminology changes everywhere. Coach knows this. Term, an overfront may not be called an overfront, but it's still an overfront. A Sam stack, a strong safety force, a fence, cover one. Like, it may be called something different, but the scheme is the scheme. Yeah. When I say to him, okay, Max – I, you don't need me to do anything for you from a speed, strength, and conditioning standpoint. You're a fast kid. You figured it out. You're, you're gifted, and you figured it out. Good for you. Draw 11, tight end ISO, three-by-one bunch, something you'd run Gator out of, under, all right, strong safety force but man coverage, and then put your Gator to the field, and then your tight end, are, you know, are, do you, in your Gator formation is the first player a tight end or a receiver, so you have the scissors concept. And these kids look at me like, like I have literally five eyeballs on my face. Like, what are you talking about? Because everybody's playing checkers. And I'm playing chess. Hmm. And I was blessed to have Bill Callahan, which is another hilarious story about he was the head coach at Nebraska. That was weird. Yeah. But I was blessed to have Bill Callahan as my first ever line coach with the Jets when they moved me. And he was the most detailed human being I've ever been around. Hmm. And then my next coach in Miami was Mike Mazur. And he was the most hardcore coach I've ever been around. And him and I got along just fine. Right. Because Joey Porter was our outside linebacker in Miami. And Coach Parcells, I walked in. And Parcells said, Joey Porter can't set the edge. And I said, okay. And he said, you played to see you, right? And I was like, yep. And he goes, he's a Ram. And I go, I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so the way I got activated was six weeks in a row, starting each practice, each nine on seven, drove a counter. And Joey's got to set the edge, and I am drop step full speed. And that's the way I attack literally everything I do. But it – I just – I just love football, bro, and right. it's it's contagious, and I can't help it. And I, if people in Colorado want things to change, it has to stop being a hobby. But if you're not doing something, and all you're doing is your weightlifting program and posting on Instagram and acting like you're the baddest small fish in this little pond, you're, what are you going to do when you get there? I don't care about getting there. Getting here is good. Good for you. You got here. Are you foundation when you walk in the room? Hmm. Can the coach depend on you? Are you going to study? It was your goal to get here and get free school, or is your goal to get here and, and leave a legacy so you can walk back into the place when you're done? Hmm. And there's been a lot of kids in Colorado that go and they're free school guys, and it drives me up a wall. 
Coach Coach Tucker and he everybody that's ever been in his position, everybody gets this rap like they need to recruit the state or die. And I'm like, okay, yeah. Who are we recruiting? Sure. Come on, let's be real here. It's it, not every kid deserves to play here, and if you want to play here, earn it. No one, you don't deserve anything but oxygen, dude. So, <laughs> you know, it's if if you if they're uh, if they're born in 0203 and they haven't seen Colorado have a ton of success, and they think they deserve an opportunity because we're quote unquote down. What do you think this is? So I try and be a wake-up call to these kids a lot, too, because there's a lot of vanity-driven recruiting in Colorado where kids just want to get offered. And it's how many offers can I stack so I look cool. That doesn't help you when you get here. Amen. Because some, somebody is going to eat you alive when you walk in the room if you don't take this seriously. Yeah, you know, it's, it's uh, interesting to hear you talk about recruiting, like on your side of it. Um, and, you know, obviously we recruit every day. And I'm not allowed to talk about, like, specific recruits. Um, Don't need to. You know, now, but what's, what, what do you think is the difference with these, these kids nowadays? Um, and not just Colorado kids. I'm in talking general. About in general. Yeah. What's the difference between these kids now and when you were, when you were coming along? I put it like this. For some reason, no one told me that I wasn't tricky. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like Coach Wilson, going into my junior season, which coincidentally Mark and I were talking, like, look, your freshman year you were hurt, your sophomore year you played a bunch, won the Big 12 was awesome, suspended for being a bonehead (laughs) and getting kicked out of school because that's what happened. Okay, facts. Okay, and too much alcohol and not good decisions. Learn from it, come back, medical red shirt. And then I remember distinctly Coach Wilson saying to me, if you continue down the road you're on, you're never going to play on Sunday. Hmm. And I wish they would have told it to me the first time I got in trouble or the first time I thought I was sneaky. The difference is they are educated but not informed, if that makes sense. Hmm. I think that they just look at everything as fact rather than deciphering what's what. So – I get a lot of this kid said this, this and that, and you know I don't know if, what the coach is going to do. And I'm like, wait a second, this father talked to a kid, and the kid talked to the kid, and you guys are making an assumption off what the coach is going to talk to you about off of that. <laughs> like guys, you you didn't even say the coach once. How what does he have to do with the conversation? You guys are just assuming. Right. So there's a lot of information, and I think the information poisons them to to a point, mm-hmm. and then. The biggest difference, I fell in love with Colorado, and I wanted and I, I wanted to play there. I don't care. New Heisel goes to Washington, go. I'm not going to Washington. Sure. I want to play, want to play in, for the Boulder. Right. This, yep. is, this is where I want to be. Right. Uh, you know, Frank Solich called my house the night before signing day, and my mother's Matthew. Frank Solich is on the phone. I walked upstairs and said, hello, and Matt, this is Coach Solich in Nebraska. I said, Coach. I'm committed to see you. Don't call this house again. I'll see you after Thanksgiving. <laughs> and and that's, that's awesome, by the way. That that's really that's cool. That's why I, I love the guys who know what they want. So yeah. when a kid walks in to commit early and he says to me, Coach, I want to commit, I look at it as, number one, each, end of each circumstance is different, so you have to take each kid differently mm-hmm. and say, okay, why? 
And if they give me good reason and they look me eye to eye and I believe them, let's go. Let's go. Because you are you're more focused on being a good football player, not getting recruited. Right now. You found something that you like, you believe in what you're being told, and you roll. And I dig that. And there's no more love. There's the kids walk in and I'm like, okay, where do you want to play? And they're like, CU, CSU, Nebraska, Oklahoma. And I'm like, what? Like, you want to play at CU, CSU, or Nebraska? What is wrong with you? How confused are you? Like, you? That's like walking in and be like, I want to play at UCLA or USC. Right. Huh? Yeah. Can't like, do and, it. And then you, but you're from LA. Like, dude, yeah. you must be super confused. Like, you're, you're fighting yourself one day a year. Yeah. So I think that's a huge, that's a huge, I think it's a problem in yeah. college football, honestly, because so many guys that I n- knew when I was playing, went to the school they wanted to play for their whole life. And now it's like a competition to almost – I find that the mass offering part of recruiting, mm-hmm. it's still something that I shake my head at, and you have to do it if you're a coach. Sure. Because you have to keep up with the Joneses. You can't mm-hmm. not do it. If, you, if you're going to hold back, you better be Nick Saban. Sure. Because yeah. his or or Dabo or have a program where you can hold back. And those guys don't hold back a whole lot. And they're not oh. holding back. That's right. why their programs are the way they yeah. are. So it, it's there's a lot of differences, but I would say those are probably the biggest two. Let me ask you this. We're about 27, 20 minutes into here, so we gotta wrap soon. But this is awesome. You're, you're, good. It's great, great having you on. Um you see coaches, you see programs all over. And I know you've got a special place in your heart for the University of Colorado. No lie. But but here you are in the business you're in. And you're watching Mel walk in here right now, and you're seeing what's changing and how things are being altered. What do you like seeing, being that you're in that world? What What are you optimistic about right now watching this program? Uh, the halftime speech for Nebraska, okay? Yeah. When we're, we're not playing well. We're not. Sure. And everybody knows it. And we walk in, and everybody gets their adjustments done, and Coach brings them up, and it's dead silent, and with the exception of a couple words we can't say, and – thank God for you. (laughs) It was essentially, they have nothing. They haven't seen our best. And this is why you came here. Let's Mm -hmm. go. And it gave me goosebumps in the, in the room. It made me feel like I was in the room and intensity. It seems to me that it, you have to earn your way onto the field now. Sure. Like you, if you don't have a good week of work, okay. Somebody else is going to have a good week of work, and it's competition, and that's the way that you—that's the way you have to live, and that's the way it was the whole time I played here. If you did not play well, you are going to be replaced, and if you don't take it seriously, and you don't know your assignments, and you don't chase, I look. I remember three years ago, Phil Lindsay's last year. Okay, because Phil's last year they underachieved, if I remember correctly, right? Sure. Yep. They're five and seven, right? Yep. Okay. I remember being at practice, and I'm not trying to dog anybody out when I say this. I just love my university. And I was molded in a certain way by certain men who coached here. So get mad at them. <laughs> <laughs> Send your complaints to Gary Barnett. To and, Matt, uh, blame Gary. <laughs> Coach Wilson and Gary. It's their fault. <laughs> but I'm out of practice, okay? Yeah. And we're, I'm watching practice. I'm talking to Phil, and he's taking a knee, getting a drink. And Phil's my guy. And... I'm watching the defense, and the defense isn't chasing. And one play happens, and they turn and watch, and I'm like, okay. And the next play happens, and no one turns and chases. I'm like, okay. 
And then the third play happens, and I couldn't help my – I just screamed, chase the ball! <laughs> and, like, the the uh, Coach Shiverine or not – I think Shiv was here. Yeah, Shiv was yeah, here. Shiv, Shiv, was Shiv here. turns around looks at me, and he's like – and I'm like, yep, okay. Yeah. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> Never mind, don't chase the ball. Not, but, not my place. But it's – I see the that now because that same year I watched Khalil Tate walk into Folsom and run for God knows how many yards on us and right. watch us loaf on angles. Right. And it drives me crazy because all you have is your effort on defense. Pursue the damn football. And then I watched this year, and the outcome's not what we wanted, but they – play so damn hard on defense and that's all you can control and if we're look if bad things happen and we can't control bad bounces we can control how hard we play start to finish we can control helmets to the football we can control pursuit we can control going after the rock and we can control being positive even in negative situations and if if we're in 04, if we're four and four and everyone's counting us out, well, we got three more to play. Let's see what we can do. And you know what? If we're three and five now and everyone's counting us out, well, damn it, we got three more to play. And I guarantee you, Utah is going to walk. We're going to walk into the game thinking they can just walk over us. Washington's not going to think we're going to give them a fight. And I damn guarantee you, because I know the kids from Stanford, they're going to think the same thing. They can just walk in here and mm. take it from us. And I don't think that that's the same football team that I've seen in the past. So. That's what that's what in my opinion that's what we build on moving forward before anything else from a toughness standpoint. And honestly, when the offensive lineman and I'm waiting for this to happen, it was my best trade as an offensive lineman was Chase. Is after the ball's gone, the defensive lineman in me was still there. So I'm tr- I'm targeting people down the field, picking them off at the pile. Try- exactly, yeah. and I'm helping my guy up. I do not – if they help him up, shame on me, and I'm definitely finding out who that dude is because he's soft. And then number two, <laughs> I want to be there for my guy. I do never right. want to pick up my quarterback, and I always want to help my running back and receivers up, always. Yeah. And I want to be able for my coach to walk into the meeting room on game plan day and go, how many screens do you guys want to run this week? Because there's nothing better than being in space on a safety. Sure. <laughs> nothing. Yeah, I'll tell you what, he, 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 uh, he talks my, my, my brand of football. I think so. Absolutely. Uh, Matt, uh, as we wrap up, um, you know, we've had uh, – you're here in the building, and it's, it's great. you got great energy, man. It's, it's special for me to have you here. And, and uh, I love having the, all the, the, the great former buffs to come back. Um, we've had Alfred Williams comes to games. Uh, you know, Matt Russell's been here. Cordell Stewart's been in the house. DG's here all the time. Yeah, yep. Daniel, Daniel Graham. Got DG smiling. Yeah, I mean, DG smiling. <laughs> Every time I see him, he's smiling. I'm like, Dan, look at you. I mean, it's 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 incredible. What tell tell like our listeners, our fans, our players that listen to this podcast. What does it mean um, for you to be able to come back? You know, come back, you know, interact with the coaching staff, be around the players, come to practice, come to games, be back on campus. You know, kind of what type of feelings do you have? What does that mean to you? How important is it? It It is the most important aspect of post-playing, in my opinion, is the ability to go back. And I love that so many guys are coming back because for a long time, for a very, very long time, guys did not feel like they were welcome. Yep. Especially in the Hawkins era and Embo just that was just a bad scene. 
the entire situation was just bad. So I, I don't really know how to feel about the Embry situation. I feel bad for him to a point. Um, but even under Coach Mack, you know, Coach Mack is a, is a great guy. And, but it, it was very hard to be personable with Coach Mack for some reason. And, they, and I talked to a lot of ex-players about that, and they don't feel that anymore. Guys, right. I mean, you, I don't care who you are. Guys will reach out to me and be like, how do I, how do I get on the sideline or get a pass? And I'm like, just call McGinnis, bro. Yeah. You're good. They're, they'll right. take care of you. Like, just tell them who you are and when you played, and they'll take care of you. They're trying to get guys back on campus. Because Mel's but, laid the welcome out of Exactly, and yeah. that's, the way it, that's the way it should be because everybody really cares. Regardless of how the caring comes out in a good way, in a bad way, with venom, with love, most people really, really genuinely care. And a lot of these guys want nothing more. Look, I played six years in the league. Woohoo. It was a business. It was cool. I got my pension. I'm blessed for it. Whatever. I love CU. Right. This this is this is what courses the veins. And even guys who Dan played twelve years. Yeah. It it's courses his veins. It, that was business. This is this is family. So the guys in the room here now and the guys down there in that locker room, they have three more opportunities together in that team. And Barnett used to always say to us, like, guys, your opportunities as a family are dwindling. Mm-hmm. And you've got to fight for your family this week because if you want if you want six more weeks of football, okay, instead of three we got to go do some stuff that people don't think we can do. And you fight for your family in that situation. And every good team I was on did that. And every bad team I was on splintered. Every Mm. one of them. It was never a talent thing. It was always a blame or, you know, a, a effort or guys fighting over playing time or, you know, not being able to spat our shoes or something stupid. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like the the Browns this weekend with yeah. they, Landry and Beckham, right. both incredible talents. You really have to go change your shoes at halftime. Like you're focused on that. No wonder you're losing. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Um, I can't I can't let you go because Coach Barnett's name has has come up a couple times in this conversation. And uh, I, I see, we see Coach I see Coach Barnett. You know, every, at least once a week. He's one of the, the first guys I met when I got here. He's, I mean, he's been great to me. He is just an outstanding human being. Uh, tell us a little, a, little, a little bit about Coach Barnett and, you know, your relationship with him and what you learned from him and kind of like what he means to you. He's like my father. I yeah. love him. And uh, I'd do anything for him. And I was hurt when they did him the way they did him. Yeah. Period. And, you know, it, it is what it is. And you know what? But things happen for a reason, and I'm glad he's in the position he's in because he's damn good at it. But Coach Barnett is one of the most genuine human beings I've ever been around. Mm-hmm. And hes he didn't just focus on an issue if you had a problem. He focused on why you were having a problem. And he yeah. actually tried to help you figure it out. Yeah. Rather than I, – I feel like there's a lot of – for example, we had a high school kid screw up, and the coach just kicked him off the team. Mm-hmm. How does that help the kid? Right. I mean, teach him. Right. And Coach Barnett got a lot of heat for trying to reform, like I said earlier, trying to teach young men how to be men. Yeah. Instead how of just be, discarding Yeah, them. man, yeah. instead of just a football player. Right. Instead of just, okay, instead of, okay, McChesney, you're going to play three technique for us for four years, and then if you go to the league and that's cool if you go, 
but also like Matt, let's get you on track to graduate. So if you want to take your spring semester off, you have one class to take. And right. Without him pushing me, I never would have gotten the opportunities I got later in life. Right. So I tell my kids all the time, there's this, I hate when people say you never commit to a coach. And I'm like, that's crap. You all, you're committing to a man that you are relying on to guide you. So don't take it personal mm. when you sit in his office and you say to him, I want this, this, and this. And then he helps you get it in a way you don't know because mm. you're a kid and he's your coach. Right. And that's something I had to learn. And when I learned that, I realized that Gary wasn't wasn't my adversary. He was my best friend. I just needed to realize that it's a maturity thing and it's the ability to hear the message instead of I call it the millennial ego, but it's any kid. Yeah. Like the the kid ego of I can't admit I'm wrong. Sure. Right. Just admit you're wrong, bro. Yeah. And move on and, and fix the problem because if you don't do it, you're going to sugarcoat it, and we're going to talk about this again in a month. Right. And Coach Barnett was, you know, to be honest with you, this is all you need to know about Coach Barnett. My my brother Nick, who's my best friend on earth, he passed away three days before my third training camp. And the first guy, it was at Bus for Life. Mm-hmm. And Clat drove me home and – it was a, it was an awful day, obviously, and uh, the first guy when we opened the door, like an hour and a half later, mm. from Bus for Life was Coach Barnett, mm. standing there in the door, and he must have hugged me for five minutes, and he was just telling me in my ear, like, "Don't you know? Don't go negative. He wouldn't want you to go." Ne-. And I just, yeah, I miss my brother a lot, and every time I see Coach. Mm. It goes full circle to that. So mm-hmm. that that's all you need to know about that man. He's an incredible person. It's good stuff, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. Go Buffs. No Go doubt buffs. about it. And, oh, and yeah. now, by the way, Gary's a Hall of Famer, so you whole <laughs> new level of respect, huh? HOF <laughs> Gary Burnett. Yeah, that's oh, right. Man, got to hold the door open for him and everything. <laughs> hey, brother, this, this has been a lot of fun. Nobody loves the Buffs awesome. more than you do. I, I do we love them. That. That's for yeah. damn sure. We'll All go right. get them, man. Thanks, Thanks for coach. coming on, man. Anything you need, let's let us know. All right. We uh, we love having the former players here on the podcast. It was a pleasure to have Matt McChesney. Played for the Buffs from 2000 to 2004. Good stuff. Great stuff, man. All right. I, I appreciate him big time. As this one's coming out, you enjoy the bye weekend. And we'll get back to it next week. How's that sound? Go on vacation. Yeah. Don't put your J's on, man. Hey, dude. He, we got to talk about that. How many pairs of J's do you have? Uh, you know, maybe, you know. 30, 40. Yeah! Right there. That's a whole new episode yeah, of the I got, podcast. I got like 25, 30. Yeah, yeah. I had a yeah. Nike deal, so I was like, yeah. wait, you're going to give me some Nike money? All Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> That's the topic of the next podcast with Matt McChesney for the, the Buffs. Great joining us. 